Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Reading today comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 33, verses 1 through 11. I know in the Westgate Bulletin it is listed as verses 1 through 9, but I wanted to go in and pick up verses 10 and 11 because they complete a thought, and I'll explain that in just a second. But this is a psalm about God's faithfulness, God's steadfast love. And something has occurred in the life of, of David and the kingdom where they are just filled with praise because of what God has done. This is corporate language, so this would be worship probably in the temple. And there's reasons to believe this is in the temple. First of all, the synagogue at this point does not exist. The synagogue system will develop sometime during the Babylonian captivity. So this is some four to five hundred years before uh, they will go into Babylonian captivity. So uh, the place of corporate worship right now for Israel would be the temple, the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. And so this worship that's happening, this corporate worship would be in the temple itself. So let's read these 11 verses. Realize this uh, psalm is much larger, but just for our purposes, I broke it down. It actually divides quite nicely. There are four segments to this psalm. We're going to look at the first two segments. And in these first two segments, what you're looking for in the first three verses, if you'll notice, there is an invocation or a calling out to praise God. Then verses 4 through 11, the second segment, there's this reason for praise. So you're going to see three basic reasons to praise God. So as we read through this, see if you can pick those out and see the symmetry of the psalm. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So, as you notice there at the beginning, we're told the natural response for the upright person, the natural response for the person trying to live a righteous life, is to praise God. So the life of a Christian should be filled with praise. That's one thing we see really quick. Then in verses uh, 2 and 3, we see this incarnational faith. Now, what I mean by incarnational faith is that even the the instruments are made to, to praise God. So we had this idea in the Gospels where Jesus says, even the stones will cry out. There's this time when uh, the children are crying out Hosanna as Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That's uh, interesting because this coming Sunday, I believe, is what a lot of people call Palm Sunday that commemorates that event. But you have Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and so the, the Jewish leaders want to silence the children. And Jesus says, well, if you silence them, the stones will cry out. Well, there's this idea of an incarnational faith, that the, this creation was created by God. It was a good creation. And part of our work is to shape and mold all of creation and actually act as representatives of creation because we can articulate praise. As human beings, you know, my 
my two dogs I have at home, as much as they probably could try, they can't really articulate praise for God. So part of the human situation, part of our dominion mandate is we articulate praise for creation with our words and and what we say in response to God and his mercy. And even in doing that, we can take things like an instrument that is really just kind of there. It's just matter and stuff. And we can use it to bring praise to God. So we have an incarnational faith, Christianity, that all of creation is redeemed and all creation can bring glory to God in some shape, form, or fashion. We're not uh, dualistic in how we, we see the world. So there's this new song that comes about. Now, people that have looked at this phrase throughout the psalm, some experts, uh, one expert said it this way in one commentary, he said, this ever new freshness of the praise of God and victorious kingship. So this new song concept possibly is not some new composition that he's doing on the fly where you know, he's just kind of making things up. You may think of like current some praise music seems like people are making it up as they go. But this this is not what's going on in this case. This is a new freshness. Maybe it's a song that's been sung before. Maybe it's a psalm that's been sung before. But the situation makes it a new thing. A new rescue by God leads to this excitement, this exuberance. So think of a, a noisy occasion in the temple. This would be a noisy and a joyous occasion. I can't help but think of you know, locker room celebrations where teams have been victorious and they're just having a good time and they're being loud. Well, something has happened here in Israel and the people are noisy and so it's instruments and praise and singing. It's loud in the temple. It's this new song celebrating Yahweh as the divine warrior who has gone out and conquered for his people. Now, as we notice the reasons for this praise, we have an invocation to praise and now David is going to give us 16 lines in these verses 4 through 11. There are 16 different lines that tell us why we should praise God. And there are three basic reasons to praise God. If you look at verses 4 through 6, we see our first reason. The first reason is God is faithful. God is always going to be steady. He's not going to change. He's the same all the time. So you can bank your life on this. Recently, I've done some research on the word pistis, which is the Greek word for faith. And I think we misinterpret that word as modern Americans. We think of faith as what's up in my head. And so much of what the Bible says about faith is faithfulness. It's really a better way to understand faith when Paul talks about it. It's not what's up in your skull, what you're thinking. It is, of course, what you think matters, but it leads to a completely faithful life of the Lord or in the Lord. God, when it talks about God's faithfulness, it's not talking about what God believes. It's talking about God's trustworthiness. Is God trustworthy? Yes, he is. And that's a reason to praise him. The whole world can be coming apart. People can be duplicitous. People can change their minds. But God is always going to be the same. Then we look at verses 6 through 9, and we see another reason to praise God. We get God's powerful word, his creative word. So his word brings the universe into existence, and then it holds it all together. So God holds the chaos at bay. Now, in the time of David, there was this belief, and this came from Mesopotamian culture and other cultures around them, that the one thing you worried about was chaos, that the world itself, the universe itself, could break into chaos at any moment. And God is the one that held the chaos at bay. 
His word is that powerful, and that's reason to praise him. And then the last segment, verses 10 through 11, we have the purposes of God. God has a plan, and God has a purpose, and it will happen. It will happen whether we cooperate or not. I firmly believe that God has a plan, and he wants to include human choice in that plan. But if I choose not to be part of that plan, God will find someone else to carry out his purpose. God's word will never come back unfulfilled. If he decrees it, it will happen. It's going to occur. So those are your three reasons to put faith and trust in God. Is God himself is faithful. God is trustworthy, number one. Number two, powerful. His creative word made the universe. And third, God's purposes and plans. He has a plan. He's just, just not. We're not flying by the seat of our pants here. And we want to be a part of God's plan. We want to be, as some would say today, a part of God's story. And we need to align our lives to that plan of God. Well, I hope this psalm has helped you today in your walk with Christ. I hope uh, more and more of the psalms come alive 